decarbonization and energy transition in Brazil, it's not only about changing the profile of our energy consumption, it's also about capturing an opportunity to build new businesses, to export our potential, to export products that are intensive in energy and electricity, so on and so forth, to help decarbonize the rest of the world economy, at the same time creating economic opportunities for the country. Brazil in Latin America is really the biggest market, but also the biggest supply market. We have great wind, we have great sun in the north. The ingredients in terms of natural resources, the advantage is such that I do believe one way or another it's going to happen. That's a global energy system play. In the future, in the energy system, we will rely to a large extent on renewables. So out of a sudden, Brazil is an energy-rich country where you can use the export potential of that. The global power system currently accounts for 75% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Under a net zero scenario, power generation from fossil fuel plants would be replaced with renewable energy like solar, wind or nuclear, in addition to other forms of low emissions power generation. This is not an easy task. It requires commitment and strategic investments that will allow us to achieve the goals established in the Paris Agreement. What are these investments? How can we make the world's energy transition viable? And what is the role of Brazil and Latin America in this process? These are some of the topics we will discuss today in this episode of McKinsey Talks. I'm Mariana Almeida, and I welcome you to this fundamental conversation on the sustainability agenda. And here with me in Sao Paulo is Bern Hyde, senior partner in New York, He leads our McKinsey platform for climate technologies and also has been a co-founder of the Hydrogen Council. Alongside to him is Xavier Constantini, senior partner in Montevideo and leader of the sustainability practice for Latin America. Welcome, Bern and Xavier. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. I also welcome João Guillaumont, partner in Sao Paulo and leader of the energy and materials transition practice in Latin America. João, welcome back. I'm happy to have you here again. Thank you, Mariana. Before starting today's episode, I would like to remark that McKinsey Talks is a series of video and podcast interviews of around 20 minutes with McKinsey experts and guests from different industries. Our aim here is to initiate conversations on relevant topics for business agendas. And now, the topic of the day, renewable energies. Burn, let's lay the groundwork. What are the three mandatory elements for a country to succeed in the energy transition? And how do you see Brazil in relation to these elements? I think that's a great question. If I reflect it, it's three elements. Like McKinsey, it's always three, but in this <laughs> case, it's really three. So number one is the offtake. So think of you have a project uh, and produce hydrogen molecules you need at the same time the contractual arrangement for somebody who needs these molecules. It can be hydrogen, it can be ammonia, it can be methanol, but ideally you structure a project in the same way as you have these various end users in the offtake. Offtake is very important. I think for Brazil, you have a lot of potential domestic offtake, which would make it a great place. 
Number two, it's a scaling of the of the industry. So think of a lot of these new technologies are right now not yet in the money. They are expensive. Think of electrolysis. That's a very nascent technology. We only have one gigawatt globally installed. That needs to scale to numbers of like 100 or 200 gigawatts in the next 10 or 15 years. So in order to do so, you need to have processes in place that help you to scale these industries. And that's not only electrolysis, it's a lot of technologies that goes with that overall ecosystem. Think of carbon capture technologies that all need to scale in the manufacturing. And why is that scaling so important? Scaling is the single most important factor to drive down the cost. So all technologies, think of wind or solar, they came down the cost curve because we produce them at, at mass scale. And the third one that is often overlooked, but this is also what countries can influence and do, that is policy. But policy is not like straight supporting with subsidies. It's much more, think of all the certifications, the permitting. It takes seven years to get permitting for, for onshore wind. This is too long to manage that transition. So therefore, governments and countries need to work on, on these standards and codes and permitting to get an acceleration in these processes. And that's not only for one country alone, but they need to cooperate on a global level. Think of if you produce molecules that you export to Europe, you'd better have an, a mutual understanding in place who certifies that these are like green or low carbon molecules. That is all what can be supported locally by a country. And I think for all of these ingredients, Brazil is well suited and we will speak later about it. But I, I think Brazil is an excellent spot to be one of the global leaders in, in hydrogen. Great, thanks for the three bullet points, as McKinsey likes. João, <laughs> Brazil already has more than 80% of renewable energy in its electricity metrics. Even so, the energy transition is a relevant topic for the country. Why is that? You're right, Mariana. We are fortunate in Brazil. We have more than 80% of our power generation capacity being renewable. In good years like 2022, more than 90% of the power we have used in Brazil was actually renewable, right? But that's only part of the energy we use. There are still some sectors in which we have to rely in fossil fuels. So if we get, if we get the, the transportation sector, for instance, right? For passenger vehicles, we use a mix of gasoline and ethanol. Gasoline, of course, is still fossil. For uh, the, uh, trucks and buses, we use diesel, which is a mix of fossil diesel and biodiesel. So there are a few sectors and others, right? It's part of the industry, so on and so forth, that we still have to decarbonize. There's a second opportunity as well. Uh, decarbonization and energy transition in Brazil, it's not only about changing the profile of our energy consumption, it's also about capturing an opportunity to build new businesses, to export our potential, to export products that are intensive in energy and electricity, so on and so forth, to help decarbonize the rest of the world's economy, at the same time creating economic opportunities for the country. Okay, Xavier, in every conversation we have about sustainability, we talk about the potential that Brazil and also Latin America have to become global players in decarbonization. The same occurs with energy transition. Our region has a great opportunity to become the world's powerhouse. How can we use this potential to boost the development path for Latin American countries through a more sustainable and inclusive model? Latin America and Brazil together represent roughly 10% of the full potential for renewable energy worldwide. The continent only consumes roughly half of that. 
uh, economy is, is 5 to 6% of the world's economy. Therefore, we could export a good chunk of this energy to the world. The way to do that, as Bern mentioned, is through uh, clean fuels, such as green nitrogen derivatives. So we could be exporting green steel to the world. We could be exporting green ammonia, green methanol, um, synthetic uh, fuel for aviation. So the different ways in which we can produce energy locally export to the world. Brazil in Latin America is really the biggest uh, market, but also the biggest supply market. We have great wind, we have great sun in the north, we have a, a superb combination of wind and sun in Seara and also in the south of the country. The combination of wind and sun where they're complementary in time during the day, that creates a very good platform to produce clean fuel because we can have a high level of utilization on the plants that we need to produce those fuels. There are not that many places in the world where you have such combination, and Brazil and the north of Brazil in particular, but not only is, is one of, of the very good ones. Uh, you were also talking about decarbonization. So, as you said, energy is roughly three-quarters of the emissions. The rest is basically agriculture and how we use land. In Brazil, we have also a, a big opportunity to contribute in absorbing carbon dioxide through nature-based solution to reforestation and slowing down deforestation. And we can also use this biomass that we have to produce biofuel, which is another way to export energy to the rest of the world. So we already have a big domestic market of ethanol, but we could export a lot of that to the rest of the world. Okay, Born, as Xavier just said, Brazil has various alternatives biofuels that already exist in the country. I'm talking about bioethanol, biodiesel, and biogas. Should we also invest in green hydrogen and why? 100%. And the reason why that is the case, and first of all, I, I don't like too much the color coding of hydrogen. Just as a statement, we should think of low carbon hydrogen more so than green, blue, uh, yellow or turquoise. But why clean hydrogen for Brazil? Two reasons. Number one, first of all, it can help to decarbonize in industrial uses that you have here in the country. You're a large importer for ammonia, for fertilizer. You could produce it yourself in the country and by that attracting value add in the country. You have some of the best iron ore globally that you currently dig out of the ground and you export it to, to the steelmakers of this world. Why not keeping that iron ore here in the country doing a process that is called DRI? So you basically take the, the oxygen out of the iron ore by using hydrogen instead of coking coal, which is CO2 emitting. Yeah? So it's the same process, but a clean process. This is new value add that you could do here in the country. So you could decarbonize the steel industry. We spoke about uh, heavy-duty trucking, where, where hydrogen is an, a great alternative to diesel. And I could go on. It, think of the petrochemical industry. Every refinery uses hydrogen already today, but it's grey hydrogen made from natural gas. That could be clean. So that's the, the first cluster of applications that help Brazil to decarbonize. Just to give you a figure, we did a, a rough calculation. We think of something in the range of seven to nine million tons by 2040, just out of local demand. The second argument why I get excited about Brazil and hydrogen, 
that's a global energy system play. So think of today, we have an energy system where we have the large consumers, North America, Europe, Japan, Korea, China, that use a lot of our energy. That's mainly coal, gas, oil, all fossil based. In the future, in the energy system, we will rely to a large extent on renewables. Joao mentioned the high share of renewables that you have already today in the grid. So think of that if we want to bridge in the future these energy systems, where do we produce energy and where do we consume energy, you will find out that new production areas, so the countries that are energy rich are by and large different countries that we think of energy rich today because we, it's fossil becomes renewable. So out of a sudden, Brazil is an energy rich country uh, where you can use the export potential of that. And that is not possible if you think of transporting electrons across continents. That is not feasible. And you cannot store electrons very well over a long time. So therefore, if we use that renewable potential that you have, converting that into molecules, molecules can be shipped. And it is any of the molecules that Xavier mentioned, mentioned earlier. Then comes the argument, why do we convert electrons in molecules? We lose energy, we convert it back. That's all not efficient. And I say like, it's not about efficiency here, but it's like tapping into this new renewable power. You, you cannot export sunshine out of Australia in the form of electrons. And that's where I think there's also great potential for Brazil to be a player in the global market based on hydrogen-based products. And these two things just get me excited. And you have great infrastructure. Think of Port Azul is one of the largest uh, seaports globally. So you have already some of that infrastructure existing that other countries that enter into that market first need to build. So therefore, it would be lost opportunity if, if Brazil does not uh, go big in, in clean hydrogen. Okay, I was convinced from the first sentence that you said so emphatic with a great emphasis. So I'm, I was convinced already. <laughs> Thank you very much. João, that sounds like an incredible opportunity, as we just said. How mature is the green hydrogen market in Brazil and Latin America today? So let me start with Brazil, right? Uh, we have something around 40 projects in Brazil that have been announced. Some of them are still in very early stages, but we now see that there are some projects that have are in the process of getting the permits, of getting the licenses, of getting the environmental impact studies that are preparing the, the design, preparing all the project engineering, so on and so forth. So there are quite a few projects that are advanced enough so that we could see either by the end of this year or the next year some large projects actually going on. We do have a pilot project in operation. We have a second pilot project uh, under construction, and we have a commercial scale project for green ammonia in Bahia also under construction. So we do see some movement in the market. We do see on the side of the off-takers as well, off-takers actually preparing their operations to use either green hydrogen or green ammonia in part of their, of their operations, right? So that they can decarbonize and so that they can start testing and quickly scale this opportunity. Uh, let me ask Xavier to comment on the rest of Latin America. Well, several countries have, have published their uh, green hydrogen or hydrogen uh, strategy and they have their own targets. So to name a few, Chile, Colombia, Panama, Uruguay. And uh, what we start seeing now are big projects being announced. A few months ago, there was a $4 billion project announced for e-fuel in Uruguay. That's the biggest investment ever in the country. 
The equivalent of Brazil side with $200 billion. So for the country, it's, it's a big impact. In, in the south of Chile, there's several big developers. One of them, just one, has a portfolio of $40 billion investment for the next 10 years. So we're starting to see those large projects uh, popping up. And big scale is, is needed to be competitive in costs. So that's the type of product we expect to see more and more. And we're pretty convinced we're going to see some product being announced in Paraguay and Colombia very soon. Okay. And Juan, what kind of public and private levers could help accelerate the development of this market in the region as a whole and in Brazil in particular? So Bern mentioned how the public incentives and supports important, not necessarily subsidies or direct incentives, right? But how uh, having a framework and a regulatory framework in particular is important to have hydrogen advancing, not only in the form of hydrogen, but in, form, in the form of its derivatives, right? Uh, it's also important if we look at the private side, having the off takers, so having someone who can guarantee the demand for this large scale project is something that unlocks the project itself, because then you can finance the project, then you can actually make the investment decision and you can actually start spending the capex that is going to be needed. And it's a lot of money for some of this, some of these projects. And first and foremost, I would say that we need to have some dialogue, some dialogue between the private and public sector and some dialogue between the Brazilian hydrogen sector and the global hydrogen sector so that we advance in the definitions, not only green hydrogen, but low carbon hydrogen, right? And in the way that hydrogen is going to be traded. Okay. And João, you mentioned CAPEX. And what kind of infrastructure changes will be needed to support an expansion of the hydrogen economy? And how can countries in the region prepare for this? So hydrogen is developed in ecosystems because you need several steps of the value cha chain to actually work together, right? We have estimated that in Brazil until 2040, we're going to need about $200 billion in investments for the whole hydrogen value chain. So we start with renewable energy, renewable generation. Between renewable generation and the electrolyzer that actually produces the hydrogen, we need to expand our transmission system. We do have an integrated power grid, which is an advantage for Brazil, but it's going to have to be expanded. We're going to find some bottlenecks as we advance. We need to build the production capacity for the hydrogen derivatives as well. Ammonia is one of the main ones, but there are others. In between each one of the steps, you need, for instance, hydrogen storage, you need ammonia storage, and you need pipelines, and you need terminals so we can export these products. So particularly in the infrastructure, we have the power side of the infrastructure that comes before the electrolyzer, and we have the hydrogen and derivative side of the infrastructure related to the transportation and many times exports of these products. Great, thanks. Would you like to anything else about Latin America, for example? Yeah, maybe on, on your previous question, what would make the difference in making the industry happen? Incentives and regulation and shared infrastructure is important, but we need industry captain that's going to basically go build those businesses. In the case of Chile, without a few very bold and courageous entrepreneurs setting an aspiration of building multi-billion dollar business, that would not have been happening. H2 Green Steel in the north of Europe would not have happened without an entrepreneur basically putting the, the objective and setting itself the ambitions to build that industry. So we need to have those people who basically take the decision to go and build the industry for Brazil and the rest of the world. Okay. So what a great conversation we're having here. 
But unfortunately, we're going to have our final question right now. But before we go, I would like to ask you, do you believe that we as a country and as a region, we are on the right track of realizing the opportunities associated to the energy transition that we just talked about? And what additional efforts should be adopting to get there? You mentioned some of them, but do you have anything else as a final message to say, Soborn? I think it's, it's too early to tell whether you're on the right track or not. This is like a very first step in a marathon race. Yeah. Also to clean up with the stereotype, this is not something we see tomorrow at scale, right? It, it takes, Time. like Joao said, like a whole ecosystem to move and it takes a, a lot of steps. So therefore, I just want to, to manage expectations in the speed. Yeah. So therefore, I could not tell today whether Brazil will be a large player in this field or not, but you have a lot of ingredients to be so. And I, I get excited and I will definitely come back, that's for sure, because uh, look at all of these mega projects, that's exactly where we can contribute in like convening the ecosystem, in helping to bring down the cost and in helping to, to understand these very complex international markets. That's what gives me excitement. So therefore, I will definitely follow that path very closely what is happening here in Brazil. Thank you. Great. Xavier and João, what's your opinion? I think that the advantages that Brazil has, I'm probably more bullish than Bern, probably because I'm living here, but the ingredients in terms of natural resources, the advantage is such that I do believe one way or another it's going to happen. And also in this region, entrepreneurship is part of the culture. All the big businesses we have, they've been built over the last 30 to 50 years. We don't have 200 years of industrial history. And new generations are still in this mood of the Eldorado, looking ways to build big businesses. So I think we have the talent, the culture, and the natural resources to make it happen. Um, and as Joao was saying, I think in the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to start seeing some announcements of big projects coming out. Exciting. João, how about you? I'm more on the optimistic side, maybe, <laughs> right? Uh, and maybe... I was never pessimistic. You're right? neutral, you're neutral. Yeah, you're neutral. You know. I'm it's even a nini, more optimistic. It's a okay, okay. Nini position. I do see we have the potential. We do see we have the opportunity. We have missed some opportunities in Brazil in the past, right? But I'm confident that now we have a much larger opportunity and we have the right talent behind it. So I'm confident that we're going to have at least a few success cases in the short to medium term, let's say. Okay, it's great to close the session with an optimistic vision. <laughs> great. So thank you very much, you three, for being here. It was a pleasure to receive you here at McKinsey Talks. Thank, thank you, Mariana. Thank you. I would also like to thank you for being here with us for the past minutes. As I always like to point out, the conversation has just begun. You can keep in touch with our expert by emailing McKinsey-Talks at McKinsey.com. And the full catalog of the McKinsey Talk series can be found on McKinseyTalk.com. There, you can also check out this episode and previous ones in video or podcast. Take care and see you soon.